Welcome to Fran Path Consulting Podcast. I'm Sam Schweitzer. And I'm Brittany Bodie. And together we are Fran Path Consulting. Welcome to the Fran Path Consulting Podcast. I am solo today for the first time ever, so this feels a little bit weird to be having a conversation with myself and by myself, but I am really, really excited to have our guests on today. Before we bring them in, I think it's really important to talk about new brands and how we decide to bring new brands into our portfolio and the criteria that we set out to make sure that our clients are really finding things that are going to work for them, not just in the short term, but in the long term. So a few things that we consider are we start with our clients saying, start your business with the end in mind. What is the goal? Is the goal to have a legacy business to hand down to your children? Is the goal to have a business that you are in for three to five years that you scale with full intention of selling? What does that look like for you? And just being really, really honest about that. The next thing that we look at from the brand itself is financials. We're not in the business of placing clients in suitable charities. So we want to make sure that they're going to be in these businesses making money, and enjoying themselves. We also look at support. What is the franchisor like? Are existing franchisees happy? Is the franchisor well-capitalized? Are they going to support them? What levels of support do they have? Is it marketing? Is it operations? And then are the businesses opening? You can sell units of a franchise and not all of them are opening. So we take a look at all of those things and really help our clients analyze things that are important to them as well. But it's important to us that as we take a look at brands that we're adding to the portfolio to show to people that we feel like those brands are full of people that are supportive of franchisees and that they understand that franchisee success is the only way for a brand to truly be successful. And you have our word that we're, we're looking at these and that we're doing everything possible in our experience to make sure Brands that we're bringing clients are not just exciting, cutting edge, patented, proprietary, great financials, but that they're supporting the franchisees that are already in their system. So the brand I have today, without further ado, is amazing. It is full of great support, great numbers, and a fantastic team. It is my pleasure to introduce the top rail fence team here. And I have Zach Duden, who is the chief growth officer. And I have Todd Bingham, who is brand president. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Uh, thank you, Samantha. What, a, what an awesome opening. And I appreciate you having us on. Thank you. Thank yep. you. Thanks for having us. So you guys, one thing we always want to start with is just really getting the opportunity to learn about you because the common theme in our podcast is that nobody thinks they're going to be a franchisee. Nobody thinks they're going to be a franchisor. Nobody, you know, you hear people thinking like, maybe I'll be a banker. Maybe I'll be a teacher, an attorney. Nobody says I'm going to work with franchises typically growing up. So I would love for you guys to kind of tell me your path into the position that you're in today. And Todd, I'll start with you. I'll have you kind of run through your background and then Zach, I'll have you do the same. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, you're right. I didn't think I would be in franchising. I really, to be honest with you, had really no idea what that was until about 
16 years ago or so when um, I became the director of information technology for um, a franchise consulting company or a franchise broker uh, company, whatever, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it. Um, and so I'm an old technology guy. So before that, I was uh, in, in technology in the healthcare, like healthcare IT, so or medical IT, whatever you want to call that. Um, still have kind of an affinity for that. I still kind of keep up with that, you know, through the news and things like that. But um, I joined, uh, like I said, as the director of IT for a consulting company based out of Louisville, Kentucky, and and you know, from that point, I really spent uh, the time really learning from. A lot of people in the industry, a lot of good people in the industry, uh, you know, was promoted to vice president of operations at that point, and then the president of that organization, and at that point moved to the franchisor side of the business, um, and uh, joined the Homefront Brands team last summer with the uh, with the intention of becoming the the president and leading the brand, the Top Rail brand at that particular time. Which at that time it really didn't have a name. We were we affectionately called it Fenceco. Uh, this company <laughs> within the brand for for probably about three months until we came up with a new name and a new look and a new feel and and uh, we'll still catch ourselves occasionally calling it fence co within the company just uh, just because of uh, you know old habits die hard but yeah my path came through really technology uh, Samantha we you know I was an old tech guy an old nerd I like to call myself you know from way back when and and uh, you know really kind of stumbled into the franchising space and then. Um, you know, into uh, into this world of the, the franchisor side of, of the business. So mine wasn't necessarily direct as it was uh, kind of the, you know, stumbling into it for sure. I've never met anybody that went to college to be a franchisee. So, or a franchisor. Yes, right. <laughs> so that's, so that's either. That's funny, Todd, you know, so at Homefront Brands this week, we have a spirit week. And uh, today we're using all of the employees. They send in school book pictures. And now I can piece things together, Todd, because I think you were number two on the second email. And I saw that earring and it was uh, it was a great yeah. look for you. <laughs> it was. Yeah, I, I will tell you, you this. Listen. Singular earring. I, so. All right. All right. I got it. Let me let me tell the story. So um, I was uh, 17 years old and I was on a trip to Florida. Uh, I was actually my high school baseball team we went to Florida for spring break. Uh, I actually had both ears pierced um, oh. at that particular point in time. Now that was years ago. Then now all that happened. It was a, quite a while ago, um, uh, you know. And so I think you can't see the other one in that picture, Zach. But you're right. Yeah. I was I was number two, so I think you can only see the one. And a little fun fact about that: like I said, that was um, uh, to nearly twenty over twenty about twenty five, twenty six years ago when that happened. Um, those holes, believe this or not, are still open and I can still put an earring uh, through them. So there, it, I, it, listen, I haven't had one in in over 20 something years, but I can still use them. And uh, there may be a, there may be a time when that might be appropriate to do that and, uh, you know, whip those back out, but I'll save that for later. Well, it was uh, sorry to bring that up here. <laughs> Nobody knows at home front. We were all like, who is that? I can't tell. No, no beard or anything, but a rebellious no tech uh, teenager at the time. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so my background is not directly in franchising, even though I was participating in it. Uh, I grew up in a family business that was called Advanaclean. And, uh, you know, from, from eight years old, probably even younger, eight years old, pushing fans into box trucks, 
to go deploy uh, for franchisees and national disasters like Katrina. Uh, I guess I was just a free labor source at the time. Uh, but come to find out, uh, uh, you know, it was a pretty material business in Atlantic Clean that our family started in 1994 um, and scaled up and ended up exiting that business in 2019. Um, my background, I went to school, uh, finance and econ major and started my career in sell side advisory. And what, what is sell side advisory? So it's when you know I was in the lower market, which was working with a lot of founder led businesses and seeing the outcome of a, a, success, a successful build and transaction, the impact that had on my family, which was you know, very blue collar, um, you know, very modest growing up and seeing that come to fruition after 24 months, 24 years and 11 months was extremely impactful. So I, I, I aspired to work in the in the lower, lower middle sell side market. And um, uh, 20, 2019 came around and uh, Jeff had sold at that company. My uncle um, started his career in public accounting. Um, uh, actually transferred over to a lateral client, which was the Carolina Panthers, and ended up there as their chief financial officer. Um, in 2019, he led the transaction from Jerry Richardson to David Tepper, which was at the time the largest sports transaction in history, $2.4 billion, and he was worn out. Um, that was 12 months, and then Tepper wanted them to model a soccer team and sports oh. gambling, and he said, you know what, it's time to live life on my own terms, and I want to be an entrepreneur, and Jeff, had, it happened to uh, sell Advantage Clean at that time, and we paired up. Um, they recruited me back here because we were doing a lot of investments and whether it's parking companies across the U.S., other franchisors, uh, health and wellness space, et cetera. And um, we came up with the idea of home front brands because everything we were doing, whether it was health and wellness, it was beauty, it was fitness, um, everything we kept coming back to was saying, we know property services. We know property services are good for people. That's one of our investment criteria. It's a qualitative one. It's not all about numbers. We got to make sure that we have businesses that are good for people. Um, an average person on an average day can put in an average amount of work and make an average amount of money. Now, we're not just looking for average people. We're looking for great people at Homefront Brands. And that turns those a little bit. Um, but we're looking for great people. And let's do it in the property service space because we think there's still opportunity. Um, so in my current capacity, uh, I took over our franchise recruitment and development practices uh, actually in the, uh, January 2023 uh, because I took the passion for, you know, really empowering entrepreneurs at the exit table and moved that to the front end, uh, taking people from whether it's corporate America, uh, maybe they're serial entrepreneurs and giving them an opportunity to, to build a material business, but also build a, build a business that's transformational and, and, and transactional if they ever decide to do that for them and their family. So um, that's my role. I'm also in the role of, uh, with the finance background, I am looking at new brands uh, for home front brands. Right now we're at six uh, property service brands. Um, uh, but we want to, one of the reasons we want to look at new brands is because we have dynasty builders at home front brands. We have people that own multiple home front brands because we want to give people the opportunity to keep growing bigger and bigger businesses. Um, and I'm passionate about that. I love that. That's, it's interesting to grow up in a family. I didn't grow up in a family of entrepreneurs um, and my business partner did. And it's interesting to see the different, the way that my son thinks about things differently than the way that I did just because of his exposure level to things. And your risk tolerance is different. And I do think the way that you think about things and building things becomes different when you're exposed to things and you don't even realize it until you're an adult and you're your mindset was so shaped by, I'm sure, putting putting box fans in the back of trucks at eight, which 
again, free labor, good on your dad. You know, we have my mm -hmm. son recording Instagram videos, which I'll remind him that that's much easier than loading trucks next time he has any complaints about that. So it is, it's really neat to just kind of hear those stories and how you end up here. Now, the brand that we want to talk about today, you guys, is Top Rail. So I would love for you to just walk through what is Top Rail? What does it offer? What kind of business is it? And, and what are some of the advantages that it has over the mom and pop fencing companies that are out there in local communities right now? So I would love for you guys to just dig into what our clients need to know about this brand. Yeah, I, I can take this one, Zach. Um, so, you know, kind of um, uh, in, a, in a basic kind of sense, Samantha, is, you know, we are a residential, commercial and agricultural fence installation company. I mean, that's that is what we do. Right? We install fences. I mean, that's that's it. Um, and, you know, uh, I will tell you a lot of uh, a lot of people will ask, well, what's the differentiator between this fence company and that fence company? Well, I mean, just to be totally honest, there's not a whole lot of difference in fence companies. We all kind of do it the same way. Everybody all across the country, you dig holes, you put posts in the ground, you attach either panels or, or rails and pickets. Everybody does it the same way. Okay, there, there are some nuances in different parts of the country. Uh, but for the most part, you know, you're doing the same thing in Seattle as you're doing in Miami, as you're doing in Dallas, as you're doing in Chicago, et cetera. So, you know, in, in terms of the installation of fence companies, not a whole lot of difference. Now, with that said, uh, Top Rail does have some standards that we like to make sure that our franchisees adhere to um, and that we will pass down to the installers and to those businesses. The way the things that we like to do that we know that are beneficial in the in the world of fence installation. And some of that um, gets kind of technical, to be honest. It'd probably be too boring for the crowd here, but it's talking about hole depth. It's talking about width. It's talking about the um, uh, pounds of concrete that's used in those holes, those types of things. You know, you know, you know, we can. Um, we can geek out on that kind of information, you know, with the clients when they when they're interested in the business. Um, but with that said, in terms of what we really are as a company, we're a fence installation company, and that is across residential, that's across commercial and agricultural. And agricultural is simply either, you know, we've all seen those the three plank, four board horse fences, those types of things. You've seen those in in a lot of communities. Um, that means. Uh, you know, barbed wire across some sort of chain link or some type of electrical fence to keep animals in or out, something like that. Uh, that's the crux of what we do. Now, there are some differentiators in our model, um, at, uh, you know, that differentiate us maybe from another uh, franchising fence company. Uh, and there are also some differentiators that differentiate us from mom and pops. And those kind of are those are different. They really are different. Um, in the fact that uh, in terms of uh, what makes us different, say, from another uh, franchise fence company is, um, you know, we, we really look at and I will tell you, this is a personal belief of mine. So, um, you know, somebody told me years ago that, um, you know, one of the reasons that franchisors and franchisees fail or are not successful is because they're not capitalized well enough. OK, so whatever that means to a franchisor or a franchisee. That's that's largely pretty true. OK, you know, people fail for various reasons. But one of the biggest reasons, if not the biggest reason, they just don't have enough money. I mean, it really comes down to that. And so, you know, we take a different approach to that. And that came from experience uh, as well. So I was on the consulting side. I was in your shoes, Samantha, for, you know, for 10 years 
uh, of this business. And I saw people uh, not be successful or struggle in, in various businesses. And it didn't matter if it was a service-based business, if it was a fitness concept, if it's a, a QSR uh, type business, uh, but it was because they didn't have enough money and money and, and, you know, either right, wrong or indifferent. When you start a business, money matters. Uh, and, it, and sometimes it matters how long you may be able to keep the doors open. And so our approach went was a little bit different. So we created a model that allows a franchisee to start from either their home or from some, say, very small, uh, you know, type office. OK, so they don't have to have large warehouses, so they don't have to have large leases. Um, you know, we have set up a model that allows them to, you know, have materials so that that fencing material that they use to install the fence. So, you know, the, either the wood, the vinyl or the aluminum uh, that allows them to have that. Uh, ordered on a per job basis. Okay. So instead of having to order in bulk and putting a lot of cash outlay, um, you know, initially, because sometimes it's hard uh, for people uh, to do, or it gets a little uneasy when you see a lot of money going out and not a lot of money coming in. And so we decided to, to really structure this model in that first six months or so before, you know, when I joined Homefront Brands and we acquired the, what is now known as Top Rail Fence, uh, to the time that we started franchising, we spent that time creating this type of model. Okay. So that allows people to get into the business that doesn't have a whole lot of overhead to start um, and allows them, um, you know, a little bit of, I guess, breathing room or comfort or whatever you want to call that without having a whole lot of monthly expenses going out the door before a lot of monthly revenue starts, starts, starts coming in the door. Yeah. And, and Todd, secondly, yeah. Todd, can, can I, I'm going to, I'm going to jump in on that point, if you don't mind, before we move on to a few other PODs. But um, I think that's a really important point. And I think and it's an important point in the broader um, market of property service franchise opportunities. Uh, with, with my background in the finance side of things, um, you know, there's a couple metrics that really matter for franchisee success. You know, the two things we measure here at Homefront Brands are happy and profitable franchisees. And we do that regularly every single month through a net promoter score survey. People that join Homefront Brands, we make them commit to us. They're going to be giving us monthly continual feedback because that's the only way we can improve. Uh, but what what creates happy and profitable franchisees? Payback period. Payback period, payback period. That's an incredible, incredible metric that determines those two factors. So when we put together Top Rail Fence, it was extremely important for us to understand, okay, what is their initial investment as a franchise owner? And then how fast can they ramp that business? And Top Rail Fence right now is, I've never seen a franchise system out there with the better payback period for owners. Um, and some are slower than others. It depends on how they run the business. And, you know, it's all about that owner, different market, different owner, you know, how they attack it, how they plan it. But payback period is extremely important for us when it comes to franchise ownership and franchise models and not overburdening these people with investment up front. Um, that's unnecessary. How how do we run this business? How well can we get them to start well and continue to go well? That mitigating yeah. the upfront liability is massive. And you know, you see it sometimes when I'm I'm looking through and, and we read we read FTDs. I'm sure every person here has probably read more FTDs than we'd ever care to. But sometimes I look at these FTDs and I'm, I'm looking at what the item seven is. And for anybody listening to this, that's the initial investment plus three months. And I'm thinking, how does this type of business have an investment of $450,000? It just doesn't, it doesn't compute for me. And then I'm looking at 
leases. Why do we have a lease already? I'm looking at marketing. Why are we sinking $65,000 into marketing in the first three months? So you're looking at all of these things and you're, you're wondering, and I, I do think that's incredibly, it, it's just, it's really incredible, period. Not incredibly anything, just incredible that you guys have done that for franchisees and not force them to have something that they can scale into. And naturally they would scale into anything that isn't a franchise business that you wouldn't start with a massive warehouse. We hope you get there sooner rather than later, but why burden them when they don't need it? Well, and I tell you, so I, so first of all, that's excellent points. And that's exactly what we uh, not, not only do at top row fence, but what we do at home front brands is uh, Jeff Duden talks about this. If you've heard any of his podcasts, if you, if, if, if you come to a meet the team day, you, you interact with us whatsoever. We talk about responsible franchising. Uh, that's important to us. I mean, really and truly, it's important to Jeff. It's important to Zach. It's important to myself. And it turns out to be important to our franchisees. Responsible franchising is key. Um, and, you know, we have to do what we feel. And, and I think we've been able to, I, I don't know, gather like minds, whatever you want to call that within our within our organization that, uh, that truly believes in responsible franchising. And so, I, you know, I will tell you, uh, I am on site right now. At a, I'm at a site visit with a franchisee at the moment. There's a new franchisee in the system. But one of the reasons I'm on a site visit here, and I'm actually I'm actually in his house. Uh, I'm upstairs <laughs> in, a, in like an extra room. Um, and so, but I mean, that's what we do with our franchisees, by the way. We're, you know, we stay pretty close to them because Zach mentioned it earlier. Feedback is important to us. So we don't get it always right. Like, I mean, I will tell you this. We're not perfect. Uh, we strive to be. Uh, but I mean, we, you know, we, we make mistakes as a franchisor. I make mistakes as, as the leader of this brand all the time. Um, but you know, we, we will, we will work really hard to fix that. We listen, um, uh, maybe even more than we probably should in some cases to be just quite <laughs> honest with you. But at the same time, that means that we're, that we're doing what's right by our franchisee. And that, that, that really and truly matters. And so I tell you all that to say, I'm here with a brand new franchisee that to your point, Samantha, is just signed a lease for a warehouse uh, already. And because as we strive to get them there and it's, it's revenue based and we, we have some, some things in our triggers in our system that says what you get here, you, you do this. And, and that's, that's fairly common for good franchisors uh, to have those types of uh, paths, you know, within, within the brand for, for franchisees. But that's why I'm here is we're looking and we're helping them uh, take that next step on their evolution to growth and to become that business that that this particular franchisee wants to be. This franchisee wants to be a certain type of business within this community, um, and that's why we're here to help uh, help do that. So responsible franchising is very important. And to your point, I look I've looked at a lot of FDDs in my 16 years in franchising, and to your point, I, sometimes I get the googly eyes looking at these things going, I. I couldn't imagine, you know, taking on this type of investment or something along those lines, you know, with this particular franchise. Not saying anything negative about another franchise; yeah. they they are what they are. Um, but it just, you know, you, you you look at that, and it's it's a tough pill to swallow in in, in some cases. So, you know, yeah, it, it it's really important that we follow a responsible franchising. We've implemented that within all of our brands throughout the entire organization, and that's that's really important to us. When you guys are looking at franchisees 
and you're, you know, you're live, you're in Richmond today with a franchisee and you think about who's going to be successful in the system. What are some characteristics of a, of a successful franchisee in top rail? Who, who should we be, who should we be looking for to send you guys on this brand? And if somebody's listening today, they're like, Hey, that's me. I, that, that is me. You know, who, who is that person? Go ahead, Zach. If you were I can answer. Go yeah, I can answer that a little bit. You know, um, and Todd, you can probably double double click on this a little bit. But with Top Row Fence and all of our brands, there's no nece- you don't necessarily need property service experience, right? Sure. And that's everybody claims that. But we do have a specific character we're looking for. Um, we're looking for people with business development experience, aspirations, backgrounds, um, people that aren't afraid to get out into their marketplace and win it. Um, and why is that? Well, at Homefront Brands and franchising in general, it's a leverage model. You're able to leverage uh, technology, systems, marketing playbooks. You know, we, we, we liken it to a, a race car, in it, but it's about the driver. Um, the driver will dictate how fast that car goes. And for us, our franchisees that start well and continue to go well are those that aren't afraid to get out in their community, meet people, shake hands, build a good team. It doesn't have to be a big team, but it has to be a culturally uh, right team. Um, that's a big okay. segment Jeff does at Homefront Brands training. First two hours of training or building your team sections with Jeff Duden. So he talks about your blueprint and understanding who what your blueprint is, because you may not be comfortable in certain areas of the business and you need to know that. You need to know your blueprint and you need to fill your team with people that can fill those gaps. So who is a great top row franchisee? It's a well-capitalized individual looking to grow a material business with business development experience and is a culture fit at Homefront Brands. I like that a yeah, lot. I, I would just, I would say that exactly how you said it. Yeah, we, you know, franchisees in, in, in our model, our successful franchisees want to grow a big business. That's, and, and, and I will tell you, Sam, that doesn't always mean five, 10 territories. That doesn't, that's not what that no. means. That means, or, you know, at, you know, I don't know if this makes me a bad salesperson or not, but we've we've talked people out of territory before because we want them to make we want to get them to a, a territory that makes sense for them. That's financially viable. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I, I think I believe that's very, very important. Uh, you know, uh, I, I've said this before. Uh, and I, I say it again, I don't know who told me. I wish I knew who it was and I, maybe I should take credit for it. But somebody told me years ago that you know, gross income is vanity, net income is sanity, but cash is king. And so I really, you know, that that's kind of molded and shaped the way I kind of think about franchise ownership, building a franchise company and business ownership just in general um, is that, I mean, you got to have cash and, you know, you can have a $2 million business or $3 million or whatever the, whatever the number is. Uh, but if you, you know, if, if, if your, if your net income is not great and you won't be around very long, if you don't have cash, you really can't operate. So, um, wow. you know, that, that's one of the reasons why we set the model the way we did. That's the, that's why we went down that particular path, uh, to creating the top rail model. And again, that's why we've kind of told, you know, Frank, you know, our current, even our current franchisees, people that are in our system now, you know, they wanted to maybe acquire more territory. And we've said that's, you know, we would rather you do this to first keep, keep your cash. I mean, you know, that, that's really important. And I think that helps get our franchisees off to a tremendous, uh, it gets us off to a tremendous start. And as Zach said, we have this, we have this kind of little saying within our system, if they start well, they go well. And, and we, you know, we actually have something uh, that, that 
we present two franchisees to help them start well that, and so that they so that they go well. And and that's largely true. I mean, everybody faces things that come up yeah. occasionally and that, you know, for whatever reason presents challenges in their in their evolution as a business owner and as a franchisee. But generally, if they start well, they go well. And, and a lot of that deals with their capitalization and how much cash they have to be able to operate their business. I totally agree with that. And I think, you know, I just had this conversation with a client of mine today that is, he is hellbent on having the entire um, northern part of Dallas, which is many, many territories. <laughs> and yeah. he is he thinks that he doesn't have every single zip code he's ever dreamed of in his whole life, which is the equivalent of about 10 territories in the business he's looking at. He's never going to be successful. And so sometimes it's just helping people understand. So you're going to have all that territory. How long is it going to take you to service that? If you have somebody that is in Flower Mound and you have somebody in Rockwall and you have to service those people, you're driving two hours apart. The economies of scale don't work that way. And additionally, if you have partners and you're in your markets, and I've been in franchises where we've had partners in our markets, you're both pumping in resources from a marketing standpoint. You're both going to meet people in the community. That becomes a brand name so much more quickly than if it's all on you. And I think sometimes for well-capitalized individuals, it's almost a fight with themselves. You don't have to have it all to be successful. We don't have to own every single zip code in this entire Metroplex to have that. And so I, I do think that I love that you guys are talking to people. And sometimes it is, it's, it's our inherent thing where it's like, I need to have it all to be successful. You don't need to have it all to be successful. You need the right amount for you, for your situation, for how much time you're willing to spend in the business, how much capital you want to extend into the business. And that's different for every person. So it's always great for me to hear when I'm talking to brands that they're doing that, that they're being conscientious about what's right for the franchisee. Because it is, and that's, it is so different from brand to brand, from franchisee to franchisee. And the scale is so important. You'll never scale if you run out of capitalization. If you spent money on franchise fees that could have went to marketing, you're going to be regretting it later if you aren't ever reaching the territory that you purchased. So yep. I love when a, when a franchisor talks about that. Yeah. And let me, Todd, I, we definitely want to talk about a few other points here, but just something that's really important as we, as we cap off who an ideal owner is. We have most major markets, we have multiple franchise owners. In our right. 20 years of experience, 200 years plus across the leadership team here, um, there is almost a 100% correlation of franchisee success when they collaborate with their neighbors and they cooperate and participate and leverage the knowledge of the franchise network. So yeah. uh, we don't want people to, to put up boundaries. We want them to leverage the collective knowledge and then cooperate in their markets and win it together. Hunt in packs is what we say. And um, in such a fragmented industry that is fencing, where there's no yeah. national competitor that owns more than 0.1% of the market share, we can win together as a network. Very easy together, much easier together than alone. I love that, yeah. you guys. Now, any other things that you guys want to quickly hit about the brand. We always end this podcast with two questions and I want to make sure I get those in before our time is up today, but anything else that you guys feel like is so important for people to know about top rail before I jump into those questions. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to point out one thing I think is a, is a, um, is a, is a big differentiator for us is, is, and I mentioned earlier, and when we first kind of started the conversation, there's differentiators between us and other, 
say national, you know, franchise fence companies and, and say the local uh, mom and pop fence companies. And I think th this, what I'm about to say is a differentiator between for both of those segments of the market. And we have a call center. So we have a call center that answers phone calls for our franchisees from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., whatever time that they are. So whether that's Eastern time or uh, Pacific time. Um, and what that does is we know uh, in this business, uh, the, 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 and I hate myself for saying this, Sam, so forgive me, but the, the speed to lead, because it's a cliche saying, but a speed to lead um, matters. It just does. Yes. And, um, and so we know, and, and just think about your own experience um, for, for you, for people listening to this podcast, just think about, think about your experience. If you call somebody for something, Okay. It doesn't have to be property service. It's whatever that you're calling for. If they don't answer, there's a couple of things that happen. You get frustrated uh, and uh, you may call a second time. They don't answer. You may call a third time. They don't answer. Uh, you may call a few more times or you may not. But what do you do next? You call somebody else. Yeah. That's the next thing that happens. And what happens is, is that person does answer for whatever reason they answer. They're available it could mean a variety of things, but they answer the phone. Uh, the per You, the person they tried to call that didn't answer, you're now, if you even have an opportunity after that, you're fighting an uphill battle because they moved on to somebody else. And they felt, they feel like, whether it's true or not, they feel like that particular person that answered the phone can service them better because they answered the phone. So with that said, we answer the phone. You may, the, the franchisee, could be one of two things happening. They can be an owner operator and be out on site doing the sales themselves. And they're spending the time with the customer that we, that we uh, educate them that needs to be spent. They can't answer the phone for an hour because they're being consultative and educational in their sales process, which we coach them to do. Um, that person's already called two other people, right? And they, now you're, oh, yeah. you're, even if you've had an, even if you have an opportunity after that, uh, you're behind, uh, you're behind other people. So speed to lead, Getting on the calendar, getting out to them, getting an estimate in their hand is is super important. Um, and so uh, we answer the phone, we get on the, we get you an appointment scheduled. Uh, usually within 24 to 48 hours, depending on the customer's availability, obviously in the day and, and those types of things. But we want to be one of the first, if not the first, company to come out to them, meet them, and provide them an estimate. You know, we know that we have a 60% better chance of winning that job if that happens. And so the call center allows us to do that. And I will tell you just, just high level numbers without throwing out anything specific, you know, what you pay for the call center um, is uh, I, in most cases, um, especially about your, your candidate you're talking about in Dallas is less than half than what they would pay an employee uh, and, you know, to answer the phone for them. And uh, in most cases, again, our, you know, general term. I've obviously. experienced that as a franchisee. I yeah. mean, I've yeah. experienced you have, you know, you're either trying to answer your own phone because you've got your your calls routing to your cell phone from there using Grasshopper or whatever you're using. And then you're in school pickup line. You have kids in the backseat of your car. You're in the grocery <laughs> store. That's very unprofessional. Thanks for calling XYZ Business. This is Samantha. Can I help you? And you're trying to pipe down everybody around here. I'm trying to have a professional conversation. <laughs> a call yeah. center to me and home service brand is vital because people, if they're thinking about it. People don't realize it's an emotional decision. You know, you're, 
you're out in your backyard, your dog broke off of the chain and they're running through the neighborhood and you're like, I need a fence. Like, this is it. Like, we've got to have a fence. You're thinking about it right then. You want somebody to talk about quotes. You want to do, you want to have somebody out of your house ASAP. So that's huge. Two points on that. It's just real quick because I know we're running up the top of the hour here, Samantha. But um, something that's really important for us is is blue ocean strategy. Where can we find an opportunity to elevate the value chain for the franchisee for just a couple cents on the dollar? um, You don't have to hire a full time employee and that burden. And where do you put that employee and all that sorts of stuff? we're able to centralize that. And that's one of the things we take a strong handle in. I called two nights ago. I was trying to reach a franchisee and it was later. They asked me to call them at like 8 PM. I don't typically pick those up, but I did pick this one up. So I went to call them and it went bring, Hey, this is recorded. It was the call center. It was a fantastic handle because it is in house. This was not offshore to India or, um, um, uh, that there's another country that has a lot of call centers, but we had a, uh, this is all in house, people that are trained on the services so that they can, they can understand the com- customer and empathize with the, what the franchise owner is about to do with that job. So that's important. Um, and yeah, it, it, from a blue ocean strategy standpoint at, at Advantage Clean, we had 16 full-time uh, employees at the home office, which replaced about 250 uh, call center reps that would have to be in the individual locations. And what does that do for our franchisees back to how we started this conversation? What is our theme with home front brands? It's a low fixed overhead model. I love that you guys. Now we're all in the franchise industry, um, accidentally on purpose, choosing to stay. And, you know, I think for better, for worse, this is probably where we'll be. It's kind of like the mafia. Once you're in your family, you're not leaving <laughs> on the right. side of it. And so I, I always ask people, what is your personal compelling reason for being in franchising? If you had to boil it down to one statement for you guys, what's your, what's your personal compelling reason for being in the franchise business? I'll do go first because this is an easy one for me, and I didn't I didn't know this would be a thing, you know, back when I when I got started. But um, I love and truly love this. Um, hopefully, hopefully you can hear it in my in my voice. But I love being here, like I am right this this very moment, um, in a franchisee's house with a relationship with this person, uh, being a part of their success. That that means something to me. Um, really and truly, it means something to me. I, so I love to see somebody's success. And I will tell you, it's very much like a like a, a parent-child relationship. You know, if you if you see your child do something that you taught them, you kind of feel that that warm and fuzzy feeling that hey, they they learned yes. and they listened and all that kind of thing. Uh, man, that's that that really drives that for me. So I love, love, really and truly love to hear success, witness the success, be a part of the success, whatever small part that, I, that we may be able to play in that success. Cause I do believe franchisees, you know, create their own success um, with their, with their actions and their activity. Uh, but if we can contribute to that, uh, man, that's super rewarding. Like I said, it's almost like being a parent. It's a different feeling, obviously, but it's very similar in nature. So that, that one's an easy for, one for me to answer. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I, I want to echo that set a bit. Um, you know, for me, um, I, like I said early, it is from, from creating great outcomes for founder-led businesses to now empowering people to start those businesses that down the road they'll have exit opportunities for is, is impactful for me. But, you know, at Homefront Brands, and, and I guess I could even go out on the limb here and say the dude and family, 
Um, we really want to, this, this is just a snippet of our mission statement, but align enterprise level businesses with unwavering family values is extremely important. And it's a place for people to land, especially from the corporate world where they're beaten up, gotten, you know, head against the wall every day, you know, not where they want to be. I mean, I have story over story after story. If Todd was out on a site visit in, in, in a, in, on the West coast last week, and this guy's, he's, he's one of 11 adopted kids. He's, oh. he took care of his family growing up 80 hours a week. He's got another one on the way and he's scaling a material business. I mean, that's, un, that's, that's incredible. Um, but for us and back to the dude and family thing, you know, we believe that franchising is the greatest wealth creation model that exists in story after story of multi-location food restu- uh, restaurants, you know, shack, uh, the basketball player. I mean, every this is a generational wealth creation opportunity from everywhere, from that, um, in, in, everywhere in between. And what does that mean for us? And what do we think our purpose is? But it's to restore the businesses on Main Street USA, which is the heart of this country and the heart of entrepreneurship. And honestly, give people the chance to create generational wealth for them and their families. Amen. I love that, you guys. Last question for you. Hard one. Put you on the spot here. What is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? And it doesn't have to be business. It could be business. It could be life. It could be whatever it is. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Don't eat yellow snow. (laughs) (laughs) A life lesson. (laughs) It's so serious. It doesn't even snow that much in Louisville, man. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. It doesn't. Uh, no, I think in franchising, it is um, uh, always assume good intentions. And I will tell you, somebody told mm-hmm. me that again years ago. It was uh, somebody that came into our organization was talking about how to create good uh, partnerships and relationships with your coworkers. And it was assume, you assume good intentions. You assume people, and in our case, franchisees are acting or telling us or communicating with us or doing something with good intentions for whatever reason that is. Could be to advance their business, could be advance their personal growth. Some, they're doing something with good intention. Um, and, and then, uh, you know, we, and I, I lead off all of our training sessions with all of our new franchisees with that one statement, always assume good intentions. We are going, as a franchisor, we're going to assume you, the franchisee, are communicating to us, telling us something or acting or doing something, whatever you're doing, you're doing that with an intention that to, to for a, a positive outcome. And then we ask that you, the franchisee, assume that the way we respond or the way that we choose to help help you in whatever situation you're facing is done also with good intentions. That matters. And if we yeah. do that, we have such a much more of a harmonious relationship uh, with each other. And that's that's proven to be a really good I, I don't know philosophy or advice to to go by. I mean it it does it does work really well, and it kind of it sets the table for you know the relationship getting established at training and then moving forward as they become franchisees. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, I love and, that. And and in our values of cares, community accountability, respect, excellence, and servants leadership, that right there parlays heavily into our servant leadership mindset by turning the triangle upside down and putting the franchisee at the top of it. Always assume that we have to serve them and they have the right intent and that we, uh, we're going to come at it with good intent as well. Uh, so that's awesome for me. Um, I think this came from Jeff. Uh, I don't think it was anybody else, but when you know what the right thing is, just do it. 
whether that's record, re returning a call before sunset, whether it's holding back on that hand grenade of an email about you're about to send when you could walk down the hall, or it's showing up and spending 30 minutes with your spouse because you know you should give her, give him or her 30 minutes at the end of the day, as opposed to being on social media. When you know what the right thing is, yeah. do it. I love that. You guys, this has been fantastic. I think it's been more than just a look at the brand. It's been a look at the people behind the brand, which I think we all know are very, very, very important when you're choosing a business, um, especially a franchise business. The people in the business dictate the pace, the future, and the franchisee experience. So I am so incredibly excited to continue to work with you guys. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Sam. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. So if you'd like to learn more about franchising and diversifying your portfolio through franchising, email us at info at franpathconsulting.com. Follow the FranPath Consulting Podcast on Apple or Spotify. Please rate and review us five stars. You can also follow us on Instagram at FranPath. Facebook and LinkedIn at FranPath Consulting, or go to our website, franpathconsulting.com, to take your free business assessment. Mm -hmm.